Would you say that politics are more positive today or 50 years ago? 50 years ago. Would you say that television is more positive today or 50 years ago? What about movies? What about music? What about the news? Left to ourselves, human beings are a bunch of negative punks, aren't we? Yep. Back when I was at Baylor University, um, not that there's anything great about that. There's, there's really not. It is not a Christian institution. Don't let anybody tell you that. You can find anything and everything at Baylor that you can find anywhere else. You got a bunch of pretend... Anyway, I'll, I'll get off of that. Uh, and, and actually, I was one of those. I was one of those who pretended for a while. Um, when, when I was a junior, so this was way back when, I was a junior, my, one of my good friends, his father built a uh, car wash right there on I-35 at, at uh, 12th Street. And if you've been through Waco, you've gone past this, this car wash. And they hired me to help his son run the car wash. Well, being opportunistic, opportunistic uh, punks, we would, we would sometimes find a cute girl and we'd say, hey, come by the car wash today and we'll let you wash your car for free. You know, because we had that little key and, and what you do is you open up the little thing and there's a little, little lever in there when you put your quarters in and, and you know, it, it counts them. And so we would open it up and, 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 you know, based on how cute she was, you know, you might get a one or a two, but if she's real cute, five, six, seven, eight, you know, not, not really. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and that was a great way to meet chicks. So this one day, my friend had this, this nice-looking Baylor student, and she was washing her car, and I wasn't thinking anything of it because part of our job was really grungy, you know, cleaning out the vacuums and there's stuff that was just nasty, cleaning out those bays. You people leave some nasty stuff in the car wash bay, and, and I had to help clean it up. But it was a good job. It was a great way to, to meet girls. And, and so I was working, and my buddy comes and gets me because this one babe was in there, and he'd given her several clicks. You know, she'd been there a long time washing her car. And she goes back to get in her car, and she turns it, and nothing. car won't start. So my buddy says to me, he goes, hey, hey Doug, you, you have any uh, jumper cables? I'm like, Pfft. You see, I've driven cars that are pieces of junk way back. If, if they got me from point A to point B... 50% of the time, I was pleased. And so I always had jumper cables. So I go get my Chevy Citation. And just because some of you don't know what a Chevy Citation is, I found a picture of a 1981 Chevy Citation. And this is some kind of sexy car. That was a chick magnet back in 1981. I'm telling you. I showed this picture to Janie and I said, do you remember that car? And she did. She remembers that at youth camp where I met her, I was 19, she was 15, I let her drive this car. I said, I'm telling you, that's the type of car you need to drive if you want a good woman. <laughs> that's the secret right there. It's a magnet. Anyway, I bring my happening, sexy Chevy Citation up, and she had like a BMW. You know, she was one of those rich girls. And uh, so I pull my car up there, and for some reason, my jumper cables were yellow and black. I don't know why. They were yellow and black. And so I get out and I hand my buddy one end and I said to him, black is negative. He heard me say black is positive. So he goes over, puts his on. I turn around, I put mine on and we look at the cute girl and we go, try it now. So she go, tries it, nothing. So what does a logical male do at that point? He goes, wait, 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 go and I get in my citation and, and I'm revving up my engine. 
and, and I'm looking underneath, you know, the hood's up. And so I'm looking underneath, looking at her, try it now, go ahead, try it. And he's over there, my buddy's watching all this, nothing. So what do I do? I rev it some more. Try it again, try it again. She tries again, nothing. So my buddy goes over and he's, he's messing with the cables over here. He's like, keep going, Doug, keep going. Okay. And nothing's happening. And so my buddy leans down and he's looking at it. I don't know what he was trying to see, but he's looking at it just as he comes up to tell her that it's a lost cause. Boom. The battery exploded. And I'm like, oh, no. So I hop out and it, and it hit my buddy on his neck and on his face and, and got on his hands. Praise God he looked away right as it happened because this could have been so much worse. And so we're running like, around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to get water on there. Luckily, we didn't take the spray one because we would have peeled some skin off. But we didn't do that. We didn't panic. We take him to the uh, medical center there at Baylor and they, they do some work on him. And, and luckily, all he had was some blisters on his neck and on his hand. And her car had some uh, paint damage, which we had to pay to fix. Um, but we learned a valuable lesson that day. Positive goes to positive. Negative goes to negative. You get those suckers crossed, boom, something's blowing up. And some of you, if you look at your lives right now, if you did an evaluation of your life, you'd say, I've been hooked up to some people who had their wires backwards. Because when I needed stuff from people I loved, I needed positive stuff from people that were closest to me. I didn't get it. And my life has suffered greatly because I was jacked up by somebody who was messed up. Now, we're going to talk about today positivity because if you're hooking up to another person, you're going to be severely disappointed because you were designed by God to run on God octane, not on human octane. And so you got to get your positive hooked up to the positive and your negative hooked up to the negative. And so really what we're talking about today is this positive thing comes from God. Positivity comes from God. So we're going to do a definition right here. Positive attitude. Here it is. This on your listening guide. Positive attitude is a God-given outlook that leads to a God-chosen outcome. God-given outlook that leads to a God-chosen outcome. Outlook does determine outcome. We face choices every day whether we're going to go through the positive door or the negative door. And if we want God involved in our lives, if we want Him to answer our prayers, to direct our paths, to choose the places that we're supposed to go and show us what we're supposed to do with our lives, we've got to choose to go through the positive door. And so what I want to do right now is I want to show you from God's Word how this, this God-given outlook helps determine a god chosen outcome. Two weeks ago, we celebrated what? Biggest, biggest holiday in the Christian calendar. Easter. Was that a positive or a negative? Depends on which side of the family you had to hang out with on that day, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We'll just move on. Now, if you'd been a follower of Christ, the Sunday before Jesus was crucified, this was a very, very positive experience. The Jews were, um, were celebrating something called the Passover. And what happens on the Sunday before Jesus dies is he comes into Jerusalem. And, and it's something we call the triumphal entry. A triumph is generally a positive thing, right? Positive. Hello. We playing? I got to fix this. It fell off. So a triumph is a positive thing. 
Passover is the biggest celebration in the Jewish year, but Passover is kind of tricky. If you're a Roman official, Passover is tricky because what's happening is the Jews are commemorating something that happened about 4,000 years previously when the Jews had been oppressed by a government that, that was making life very tough on them. Kind of sounded like the days of the Jews and the Romans. And what they were celebrating was when God delivered them from this oppressive government and gave them the promised land. And so what the Roman officials, you know, they were worried because Jerusalem tripled in size during the Passover. All of these Jews would come. And so this was a big deal because you never knew when some dipstick Jew was going to take out a Roman official just to get some attention, some national attention. It had happened in their history. So every time Passover came around, the Roman officials put their military units on high alert. So we come to this Sunday of the last week of Jesus' life, Passover, and this story is so big that it's contained in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. And anytime something is, appears four times by four different eyewitnesses, you've got to pay attention to it. This is a very, very big deal. And part of why this is a big deal, it's the only time while Jesus was, was alive, it's the only time he allowed his followers to have this public demonstration in his honor. If you remember, every other time Jesus talked to his followers or someone he healed, he would say, don't you tell anyone who I am. Don't you tell anyone. But this one time, Jesus says, right before he's going to die, this one time Jesus participates in this big public spectacle. Why would he do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. Prophecy is in, in the Old Testament was telling people what God was doing in their midst, but it was also proclaiming what was going to happen in the future. There are over 50 major prophecies about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled every one of them. The statistical um, uh, possibilities that, that one person could fulfill all of those, those prophecies are astronomical. Jesus did it. And so this was one of the prophecies, Zechariah 9.9. Everyone in Jerusalem, celebrate and shout. Your king has won a victory and he is coming to you. He is humble and rides on a donkey. Remember those, those phrases there that I've underlined. Victory, humble, rides on a donkey. We're going to come back to that in a minute. He comes on the colt of a donkey. And every Jew in, in Jerusalem knew that, um, that this prophecy would be fulfilled by the Messiah. So they were looking for the Messiah. So what Jesus does, he gets on a donkey who's never been ridden. And everyone in the Jewish community knows that throughout their history, donkeys have been what the kings rode on. They were the royal animals of kings. So when they see Jesus, there's no doubt that that they believe he is the king and he is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. It is not an accident. Jesus did this on purpose. Second reason Jesus participated in the triumphal entry was to force the religious leaders to act. They intended to arrest Jesus after the Passover... But God had declared that the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world had to die on Passover. So by coming out publicly, Jesus forced the religious leaders to act in God's timing. Now, the people did some things that that left no doubt that they believed this was their king. They shouted out, Hosanna, which translated means save us, save us now. Hosanna, they were screaming out because they believed he was the one who was going to rescue them from the oppression of the Romans. And they cried out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, these are quotations from Psalm 118.25. Oh, Lord, save us. We have save us is our translation, but that's actually Hosanna in the Hebrew language. Oh, Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Every Jew knew that this Psalm 118 referred to the Messiah. 
And later on in this week, Jesus refers to the same Psalm 118 and he applies it to himself. And by doing so, he's proclaiming to everyone that he believes he is the son of David. So, okay, I need you all to participate. We're going to have a triumphal entry right up here. All right, your part is to shout out Hosanna. So let's practice. Ready? Hosanna. Y'all suck at shouting, okay? I just wanted to let you know that. Ready? We're going to say Hosanna. One, two, three. Hosanna. Now, our recording is having some trouble today, so you're going to have... I want your voices on the recording. So you're going to have to scream Hosanna. One, two, three. Hosanna. Oh, you got it. Now, what else they did was they began to cut down palm branches, and they're waving these palm branches. So, wave your arms. All right? Now, shout Hosanna. Hosanna! Now, they also threw some of their coats and their cloaks. I'm not going to ask you to disrobe here. We don't want to see that. We're not going that far with the story. Thank you. There's a shoe. I don't think they threw a shoe. They did that at George Bush. Yeah, but So, okay. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, come on. Celebrate. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The waving of palm branches... And the throwing of the coats out there was part of the uh, celebration of the Jewish king coming into Jerusalem. All right, so you got that picture, the the triumphal entry. Now, if you're a Roman and you you see some relatively unknown Jew riding on a donkey coming into Jerusalem, do you think that's a positive or a negative? If you're a Roman, you're going, these people are nuts. Because in a Roman's mind, the absolute highest parade, which would be like our ticker tape parade for somebody who's won the Super Bowl or the the World Series, was something called a Roman triumph. So the Jews called it a triumphal entry. Well, they had the Roman triumph. The Roman triumph was so unique that you had to fulfill some criteria in order to even get one. All right, so here it is. Young, turn around and look. Because we're going to have another celebration here. All right. So in a Roman's mind, here's what you had to do to, to, to get a Roman triumph. You had to be a general in the military, the Roman military. You had to go to foreign soil and to kill at least 5,000 soldiers. 4,000, you don't get a Roman triumph. 5,000, you get a Roman triumph. And you have to expand Rome's territory. Got it? Foreign soil, kill at least 5,000, gain new territory for the emperor... And when you come back to Rome, you get a Roman triumph. Now, check this out. Got to think from the Roman perspective. The general, the winning general, gets a golden chariot. Donkey? Golden chariot. Which one would you rather have? Golden chariot, yes. So he gets in the golden chariot and he comes through the people and they begin to shout out his name. They're honoring him. They're saluting him. They're praising him. Behind them, there are these priests and they're burning incense. And everyone in Rome knew that when you smelled this incense, that was the smell of victory. Behind him were his, his soldiers. They got to participate in this wonderful celebration. Oh, our general's great. He's great. Roman triumph. Woo-hoo. And behind them were all the prisoners of war. They were chained. They were shackled. And they were led by carts. And they were, they were spat upon. They were ridiculed. And the same incense that smelled like victory to the Roman general and his army. You didn't know you were going to be part of the parade, did you, Cindy? The same smell of victory to them was the smell of death to the prisoners because this processional was going to end in the arena 
where all the people of Rome were going to be entertained by watching the prisoners fight wild beasts until they were dead. They lost the war. They were going to lose their lives. So if you are around at this time, which one is positive and which one is negative? It all depends on your perspective, doesn't it? The Romans thought the Roman triumph was the big deal. <laughs> and, and the followers of, of Jesus, they thought that, that this triumphal entry was a big deal. But oddly enough, the same people who, who hollered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They hollered that on Sunday. On Friday, they said, crucify him, crucify him. And if you were a follower of Christ, when he was nailed to the cross and he died, that seemed like a big, fat negative. But here's the deal. Jesus' triumph was spiritual, not military, not political. Jesus' triumph was love over hatred. Is that positive or negative? Love over hatred. Some of you don't know. (laughs) It was truth over error. Is that positive or negative? It was life over death. Positive or negative? I'll take that one. God raised him up on Sunday to show us that the door to a positive life is through Jesus here on earth and in, in heaven forever. And God has promised us that if we choose his son, the door of positivity, then God himself will work in our situations. If we've got to do two things, we have to love God and we have to obey God. Then God involves himself supernaturally in our lives for our good. But if we're honest and we try to be honest, most Christ followers aren't known for their positivity, are they? In our marriages, do our spouses see us as the source of positivity and a breath of fresh air? The sun shining on a spring day. Gentle breeze to cool me when life has gotten too hot. No. In our jobs, do do, do people see us as the most positive people on the planet? This thing keeps falling off. Yeah, some of you are laughing. No. Well, I'm a different person at work than I am. So, well, is that positive or negative? Behind this door, let's say this door represents churches. Because let's be honest, do most people who don't go to church, do they view churches as positive or negative? So, okay, let me ask you. If you knew that behind this door was something that was painful, Would you choose that door? If you knew that behind this door was something positive and wonderful and refreshing, would you choose that door? Well, let's find out. I need a volunteer. Come on, bud. This is Sean. Everybody say hi, Sean. All right, Sean, stand right here. You have a choice. Behind this, well, here's the deal, though. Whichever door you choose, you have to partake of whatever's behind the door. (laughs) And I'm telling you, this is going to hurt if you choose this door. Now, it's going to be worth it, though. 
All your wildest dreams will be fulfilled if you come through this door. And the pain will be temporary, yet debilitating, and possibly deadly. We have some EMTs in the room. This door, it's all good. Which door are you going to choose? All right, let's just, let's, let's look and let's see. If you really, do you want to go through this door? Or do you want to go through this door? Which door you choose? Positive. Well, you get some more in a minute. There you go. You have to go get a fork. I forgot to bring a fork. All right. Thank you. Be seated. Now, how in the world are we going to, to salvage this service? Um, how do you choose to be positive? Well, we're going to look at the Bible. This is what we try to do. We try to figure out what's going on in our lives, and then we look to God's Word for answers. Well, the key is in Rome, uh, Numbers 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to run through several verses. If you come to small group tonight, we're going to read all of these verses. We're going to, we're going to ask questions and, and have a, a serious discussion about this in our small groups tonight. But in, in Numbers 13, the children of Israel, let me just give you a little background. God has delivered them from slavery. He has parted the Red Sea for them so that they cross on dry ground. Um, he, he has given them a GPS system to lead them from the uh, slavery into the promised land. And they are on the edge of this promised land, having been fed uh, manna fajitas from heaven this whole time that they've been going through the desert. And now they're on the edge of the promised land. And God tells Moses to tell the people, you choose 12 folks to go do this reconnaissance mission to spy out the land. And uh, what we're going to do is, is look at this very quickly. Because it, if you get, if you have a group of people, and this is what they did, they chose 12 people. Ten of them had the negative on the positive and the positive on the negative. You know how many, how many of them had the positive on the positive and the negative on the negative? Some of you know the story. Two. And we are still talking about those two. 4,000 years later, they are heroes of how to do life God's way. So let's look at this very quickly. The spies come back after 40 days in the promised land, and here's what they say, Numbers 13, 27, 28. We explored the land and found it to be rich and fertile, and here are some of its fruits. So they said, Big Mo, dude, this is the best land we've ever seen. They bring back some fruit. It is great, but you show me someone who's negative, and I'll show you someone who has a big butt. Oh, I know that's the right thing to do, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm not going to do it. I know everyone in my family says not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Big butts will kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Okay. What comes next after the but is what someone really believes. Yeah, the land is great, but the people are large and powerful. Yeah, the Bible says this, but what they say after but is what they really believe, and it's how they live their lives. Now, Caleb and Joshua were the only two that were uh, positive. That's 16% were positive. 16% of the spies were positive. Sounds like some churches, I know. Look what happens in verse 30. 
Caleb silenced the people who were complaining against Moses. Caleb says, shut your mouth. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Because if you're looking at some of your translations, it says, Caleb silenced the people. No, Caleb was a stand-up, I'll-kick-your-rear type guy. Let me kick your big butt off of the planet. B-U-T, I'm not cussing. He says, no, check it out. He says, uh, we should attack now and take the land. We are strong enough to conquer it. Verse 31, 32. But the man who had gone with Caleb said, no, 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 no. We are not strong enough to attack them. The people there are more powerful than we are. So they spread a false report, a negative report. They spread among the Israelites about the land they had explored. Now, you ready for verse 33? Verse 33 is a key verse. You got keys? Somebody pull out your keys and, and shake them for me. Please play along. Thank you. All right, key verse. Remember, negative people, people who got the positive on the negative, negative on the positive. Here's what they said, the ten negatives. We even saw giants there. We felt as small as grasshoppers. I'm sorry, I can't help but laugh. We felt as small as grasshoppers, and that is how we must have looked to them. And I read that, and I'm going, are you serious? You're the best and the brightest of Israel? This is how we felt. A grasshopper? And this is how we looked at him. I'm like, take off your skirt. That's what, that's what Caleb said. Negative people will go grasshopper on you, won't they? You show me someone who exaggerates, and I'll show you someone who's negative. You show me someone who's a liar, and I'll show you someone who's negative. You show me someone who's riddled with fear, and I'll show you somebody who's negative. You show me someone who's lazy, and I'll show you somebody who's negative. You show me someone who lives in the past, but it was better in the old days, and I'll show you someone who's negative. And as we keep reading, these Israelites even said, let's go back to Egypt. Let's walk back through the door of negativity. Let's go back to chains and slavery. Let's go back. And here's the biggest danger in your life, in a church, in your family, in your work, is that negativity is a highly contagious disease. Look what happens in 14.2, Numbers 14.2. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. See, it started with a small thing. Ten spies. There were over two million people out here in the wilderness by this point. Only ten of them were negative. But by the time they started spreading their negative report, it, it gets multiplied exponentially, and now the whole group is negative. They want to go back to Egypt. That's just stupid. I want you to think about a negative sign. It's, it's horizontal, right? And, and it's, it's the symbol of death. Because if somebody's watching your heartbeat on a monitor and you flatline, you're dead. That's the negative sign. And I want you to think about the positive. What does the positive do? The positive brings this vertical line and intersects the negative and makes it into a positive. And it's the shape of the cross. And it's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He took the negative of our sin and he said, I'll take the payment if you'll walk through the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. You have to walk through it, though, to get the God-chosen outcome. When you start on that path... 
through the door of positivity, you get God's outlook on things, which is so different. Isaiah 55, 7, uh, 8, 9 says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, I'm different. And if you want my outlook, you have to come through the door of Jesus Christ into the positive realm. And then when you get my outlook on life, I'll begin to show you the path that will lead you to the outcome I made you for. Did you know that Joshua and Caleb were the only ones of the people over the age of 20 of the Israelites who got to go into the promised land? Two out of about two million over the age of 20 that got to go into the promised land. And we're still talking about them. They said, our God is able. He gave it to us. Don't rebel against what God is doing. Now, whenever I choose this door of negativity, I'm rebelling against God. And you might as well zap yourself when you rebel against God. When you rebel against your parents, you're zapping yourself. When you rebel, when you're negative towards your spouse, you're rebelling against God. When you're negative towards your boss, you're rebelling against God. I can go on all day. You're hurting your own life when you go through that door. You can turn it off now. You want some of those? No. Nah. Okay. <laughs> when you choose this door, <laughs> did y'all see this cake this baby's awesome y'all see that it is it is incredible and i chose all the balloons that say love oh no thank you not off of that no no um i'll have some later thank you now here's what god is saying jesus said i am the door you probably should go hide because nobody's going to listen while you're out here man Jesus is standing here at this door and he said, if you will choose me, then I'll be involved in your future. And even negative things that happen, I'll work them out so that it it shapes you and molds you and makes you to look like Jesus Christ and gives you an outcome that lasts beyond the grave. If I didn't believe that the local church was the hope of the world, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be fishing. (laughs) People who hear hear this on the recording are not going to get a good idea of what's going on in here. But Jesus says, I am the door. And he's extending his nail-pierced hands to you to say, if you'll choose me and you'll follow me and go through the door of positivity, no matter what happens in your future, I will be involved and it will work out for your good and it will work out to lead others through the door of positivity. So very quickly, how do we become positive? Four things. First off, we've got to develop the art of appreciation. 
Focus on what you do have, not what you don't have. If you're unsure that you're rich, come to Haiti with us in October. Come live on the floor, help us rebuild an orphanage, and you'll find out real quickly what it's like to have nothing. You look around and you start practicing appreciation for what you do have. Number two, maintain a ratio of 10 to 1. It takes 10 positives to offset one negative statement. Some of you got a lot of making up to do starting today. You just think if your bank account, if you put 10 positives in for every withdrawal, if you made 10 deposits for every withdrawal, how much money would you have? More than you do now. Our relationships fall apart when we've not made enough relational deposits to cover the checks, to cover the debits. Relationships that flourish and become the types of relationships you want to have, they're the ones that practice 10 to 1. Number three, you need to look for some Joshua and Caleb people. Would you agree that there's too many negative people out there? We need some folks to infuse us with positivity. Life's too short to be hooked up to bottom feeders. We don't need to be hanging out with catfish, although I'll go fishing for them. They hang out on the bottom and they eat crap. Have you smelled the stuff that you got to catch catfish with? Dude, it sticks on your hand for about three days. And catfish eat that stuff. Gar, they're not worth... We need to swim with the swimmers. So find you some people who are positive and hook up to them. Find some people that are moving through the door of positivity, that are moving towards Christ, and hook up to them because life is too short. Some of you right now, you're hooked up with people that if you continue to follow them, it will destroy your life on this planet and it will lead you to hell. Some of you are leading people to hell. You might even be a Christ follower, but because you do not give a good reflection of who Christ is, you're leading those people to hell. And that's unacceptable. If your life sucks, it's because you're hooked up to people who suck. Figure it out. Number four, control what you see and hear. If you hear lies long enough, what do you believe? You hang out with people who hate their marriage and diss their spouses. Before long, you start looking at your spouse and you start dissing your spouse and you start looking at other people and you start... You listen to garbage long enough. You watch enough garbage. You hear enough garbage. Eventually, your life is going to start to smell like that. Your language is going to smell like that. Your actions are going to smell like garbage. You got to control what goes in here. Because ultimately what comes in here affects everything you do. Oh, it's just a movie. No, it's not. Oh, it's just music and all I listen to is the beat. I can still tell you the words to Back in Black and I hadn't heard that whole song in about 30 years. ACDC, woohoo! Van Halen, Running with the Devil. When I was 13 years old, that was one of my favorite songs because I like the beat. That stuff affects you. 
So we got to hook up to people like Joshua and Caleb. We got to hook up to the Bible, which gives us life. And ultimately, we got to hook up to Jesus Christ, who said, I am the door. If you come through me, you'll be saved. You'll come in and out and you'll find pasture. What he's saying is you'll be safe. Your future in heaven will be safe. You'll come in and out of that door. And Jesus says, I will provide for you here on this planet, but I'll also provide for you in eternity. The choice is yours.